You're listening to Homicide Worldwide. Your hosts, Sally and Keto, would like to remind our listeners, the episodes deal with crimes that are graphic in nature and may not be suitable for all listeners. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Hey, you want to get doomed? I'm Tessa. And I'm Nicole. And we have a spanking new podcast for your ear holes called Doom Generation. Listen in as two foul-mouthed biddies have an always casual, often comedic... What? I think we're funny. ...and sometimes chaotic conversation about the things that doomed us to be who we are today. Take a trip with us down Nostalgia Lane and we'll try not to veer off the road. Available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Doom Generation Pod and on Twitter at Doom Gen Pod. Later, Doomers! Mental health is on all of our minds these days. We do indeed live on a chaotic spectrum that spans far too much to comprehend. Not everyone is able to cope, especially in these current times where everyone seems to wear their skin inside out. Let's face it, the world we live in is not exactly a nurturing environment. There are billions of fancy animals out there, that's people, in case that's unclear, all tiptoeing around on eggshells, reacting to everything because it all feels like a fight monitoring one another because trust seemingly just does not exist. It often feels like living inside of a pressure cooker. Sure, over time, we've gotten better in some respects. We now know not to drink or eat deli meat during pregnancy, and we know not to abuse our children for best results. But in many ways, we've made our lives so much messier and complicated than they need to be. It's so dependent on how we process what happens to us in our lives. For example, I hate when I make a mistake. I am incredibly sensitive to vibes of others. I'm a little sketchy at times and extremely aware of another person's energy. I'm hard as hell on myself, which is a fault that runs deep. But I would still, no matter what, rather be alive than dead because there's just so much more good in life than bad. Not everyone wants that though. While it's a shitty reality, it's still a reality. Certainly one that's difficult to understand for most people. Even more difficult to wrap our heads around is the idea that someone would exploit a person who is suicidal, even looking for assistance with it because, as much as they hate living, they can't override their natural instinct to survive. Matei Kirko did just that, seeking out people who were hurting and vulnerable, people who were in their darkest time, who were weak and beaten down by life, people looking for a way out. He operated for years before being caught, and the number of victims that met their end at his willing hand remains unknown. Suicide is never the answer, say people who aren't really listening to what the person so desperate is saying. We don't know how to process the idea that somebody could take their own life. But there are people who can help. If you, or anyone you know, is suicidal, please find help. One resource is the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, 1-800-273-TALK or 1-800-273-8255. This is episode 65 of Homicide Worldwide.
Well, hey there. Well, hey there. How art thou? <laughs> I art good. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Uh, well, thank you for joining us this evening or morning, whenever you happen to be listening to us. I am Sally. I am one of your co-hosts. And I am Kita, your other co-host. And here we are this week. Mm-hmm. Mm. want to say a quick thank you to all the listeners out there who keep coming back we appreciate you we really do yes go check out our patreon uh we have keychains the tiniest tiniest keychain in the world that are now available if you want to check that out and see how you can support the show um, please also remember to rate and review us subscribe and tell a friend to also subscribe. Yes. And listen. Don't tell them to not listen. <laughs> we shouldn't have to clarify that, but we don't know you. <laughs> yeah, we don't. We don't. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's good to be clear. Yes. So today we have quite a doozy for you. Oh my goodness. Off to Slovakia. Woo! I have to pre-apologize. I really am going to try with the pronunciations. I struggle with everything in life as it is. Slavic pronunciations are certainly at the top of my list of struggles. I have come to discover. I didn't ever think about it, but I'm going to add that to the pile. You know, I feel as resentful towards uh, <laughs> Slavic pronunciations as I do towards Welsh pronunciations. Ooh. I just feel like they're fucking with you with all of the little like doohickeys above the letters. Yes. Just the way that yes. the Welsh do when they put like a whole bunch of letters together and you're like, what does this say? And they're like, it says dog. So it's not our fault. If you're not going to use something that people recognize as language, then I'm sorry. It's just not going to happen for us. Yeah. Small words, big print. That's right. <laughs> oh, I'm going to put that on your gravestone. <laughs> she loved small words and big print. Yep. Well, today we're going to be talking about Matej Kirko, who I am going to choose to just call Matej going forward. He's also known as the Slovak Cannibal, and he is a suspected serial killer who operated from question mark to about 2011. After a chance meetup with a Swiss man online, because of course, the two were to meet on May 10th, 2011. Unbeknownst to Matei, it was a setup by the Swiss man who had been working with police. The purported victim came to the prearranged meetup, and Matei was shot by police in a shootout and died two days later. During the investigation, it was discovered that he had killed and eaten at least two women. Both of these women had actually volunteered themselves to be murdered and cannibalized. Soon after the story came out and was in the news, Police in Italy caught wind of it and announced that Matei could be responsible for close to, wait for it, 30 other disappearances and potential murders going as far back as 2009. That's a lot. That's a lot. He certainly had a taste for it and he seemed to be quite expert at how he did it. He wasn't making a lot of mistakes. Mm -mm. I mean, his mistake was just something dumbass like sending people pictures of dismembered people. Yeah. Talking to somebody, a Swiss man. That was his mistake. Yes. I mean, the Swiss. Of course it was Swiss. So all those very neat countries like Switzerland and uh, Japan that have the really weird sexual underbelly. Mm. Mm -hmm. It's like the societal cost of keeping everything tidy is like crazy sexual fetishes. 
See, that's why it's good to be uh, like a Puritan American. Yeah. We just got a lot of hangups. No eye contact. Yeah. No eye contact. Just a hole in the sheet. We don't look at each other. So there's not a lot of information on Matei's early childhood or even a clear date of birth for him. Mm. We know he was born in 1968 and that he had one brother. The boy's parents divorced when he was pretty young. And we know that can affect young children very strongly, but we don't really know the circumstances around it. After that, the boys lived with their mother and their grandmother. And from what we can tell, the boys kept in regular contact with their father while they were growing up. Throughout their childhood, the brothers were not close with each other. In terms of his studenthood, there isn't really anything that's known or at least documented in terms of like medical issues or injuries, mm-hmm. you know, things that we look out for, like head trauma. For example, you know, pulling a dresser down on yourself, pulling out of a tree. For example, you know, none of the things that, you know, could maybe lend themselves to how or why Matei turned out the way he did. You know, having said that, though, there's things that just don't go reported because. You know, you don't want to get the authorities involved. That's exactly, yeah. He's got like a bruise on his head, like they're going to ask questions or... He fell down the stairs. Yeah, again. He hit his head on the edge of a cupboard door again. (laughs) Although I did that a lot as a child just because I was stupid and I didn't learn. Yeah. But, you know, I think there's like you know a lot of things that we don't know. And certainly he could have gotten, you know, injured and we we couldn't have known about it. But in terms of the official record, nothing jumps out. Mm -hmm. Nothing jumps out. And also, to be fair with this case, I relied a lot on Google Translate. Mm, My favorite. Because there are so many articles that are in different languages about this. And so that's where you get more of the story from. You know, anything that's in English is just really, there's not a ton out there. So who knows? Maybe there are other articles that exist, but maybe not. That also just means that nobody will know if we're saying all this stuff that's incorrect. So there you go. What are you going to do? Check us? It takes forever to translate all that. Well, Mateo had no indication of a learning disability. And in fact, he went on to attend a school for mathematically gifted students. Oh, just like us, Kita. Wow. Yeah. You know me. Yeah. Quite the math genius. Yeah. Algebra all the way. So good at math. Oh, I love it. God, please. More calculus. (laughs) Matteo did seem to have kind of a special skill or proclivity in what is kind of vaguely described as, quote, technical areas. So he was, you know, like good with his hands and building shit and that sort of thing. (laughs) He wasn't considered to be one of the popular kids at school. Shocker. Mm -hmm. But he also wasn't picked on, bullied or apparently, you know, humiliated either. He was just sort of there. As a teenager, his hobbies consisted of things like cycling playing the guitar or the drums, using computers and programming them. Really just pretty much things that a person does alone. I noticed that too. Like hobbies consisted of, Mm -hmm. like I was like, oh, the drums, like the loneliest of all the instruments. (laughs) Yeah, he was described by those who knew him as a child as lonely. Mm -hmm. I don't know so much if it was lonely or if he was just antisocial. You know, this really does take me to Dahmer mm-hmm. and his lonely childhood and his antisocial and him wanting to keep people with him and the idea of consuming people to keep them around so they wouldn't leave. But he, you know, had an emotional connection with those people. You know, he had like date night with them prior to the whole drugging and killing and yeah. skinning and eating and skinning and eating. That's pretty. Yeah. I mean, 
based on his musical talents, they could have formed a band. I mean, you've got two people. They could have called it Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Childhood Band. <laughs> that would have been amazing. <laughs> Pepper comes in a lot in this case. It sure does. He was a pretty shitty kid, actually. His teachers described him as rebellious and a provocateur, which sounds so much sexier than it actually is. It's true. You know, it really does. It's like such a sexy name, but really he was just a dick. But because he basically he had very little respect for other kids. He didn't respect adults. He didn't respect authority pretty much in general. And he was a pretty big troublemaker because when he was 13... He attacked a young child in his neighborhood with a knife, causing serious injuries to this child. At 13? He was 13. And I read a couple of different sources about the kid's age. One of them said he was two, and the other one said that she was 11. So I don't know if it was a girl or boy or if they were two or 11. (laughs) But with the moral of the story being that when he was 13, he attacked a child with a knife. Exactly. Holy shit. Yeah, that's where the shitty kid comes in. Well, they had no time for his fuckery there, and this little stunt earned Matej a trip straight to the psychiatric clinic in, you're welcome, Slovakia, (laughs) Košice, where he ended up staying for more than a month. After that, he went back to the Children's Psychiatric Hospital in (laughs) Hranince. Yeah. To that place, way back there. A battery of tests was performed including an IQ test, which showed that he had an above average IQ of 116, which is like, not like genius level, but most people are around 100. So with that above average IQ, it was pretty surprising for his age. People remember that when he was young, he never showed any interest in the young Slovakian ladies. Oh, which actually surprises me because I read that there was like some list that was done which said that Slovakian ladies were like the top three most beautiful like ladies of the world oh yeah Brazilians are always gonna I think it's like Brazilians Mm -hmm. I don't know just Brazilians yeah they're just like amazing Mm. they're asses like the whole country's a smoke show they really are man you won't get off the plane and just like the person cleaning up the dog turd looks like Giselle (laughs) it may be Giselle I could I mean I don't know what she does on her free time (laughs) yeah I don't know what she does I don't know her. Yeah, so not a lot of interest in the ladies or gentlemen. And in fact, uh, you know, it didn't seem to go in any direction. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't a thing where he was trying to figure out his sexual identity in that way. He just didn't have any interest. It was like he was like an amoeba. They don't have a lot of sexual interest. It's true. Well, as a young adult, Matei went on to successfully complete a vocational school before being drafted into the army as a technical specialist, where, with that big old brain of his, he both met and, as you might expect, exceeded expectations. Good for you, Matei. High achiever. Yes. After returning from the army, Matei found work in the technical industry, and he also picked up a couple of pastimes along the way. Firearms and martial arts, which is a great choice for Matei. It re- they both really are mm-hmm. peaceful and really calm down that limbic system. <laughs> exactly. Well, eventually, all that hard work paid off for Matei, and he was able to work his way up to become the head of the IT department for an insurance company. Oh, good for you. 
Exactly. Wow. It's getting right up there. In his 20s, when a person might typically go out and sow their wild oats or get crazy and done with their friends, <laughs> Matei had a couple of other things that he seemed peculiarly interested in devoting his time to. And that was, okay, as pastime, this is weird, filing criminal <laughs> complaints to the public prosecutor's office. That's just what he did. And he's just like filed criminal. That's his hobby. And this was on things concerning, for example, parking issues all the way to like high grade politics. Oh, my God. And they're like, who gets the short straw? Fuck, I can't believe I have to do it again. Okay, Hi, Matei. What's it going to be today? (laughs) Totally. It's like I brought bagels today. You have to do it. (laughs) Oh, my God. Finally, at the age of 30, Matei finally showed some interest in propagating these spectacular genetics. And so he formed a relationship with another human and the lucky lady spawned two of his children. Oh, wow. I bet she is so happy that he fertilized her twice. She's like, those are the ones that made it through. huh? Wow. What a bummer. Yeah. Mm. It's unclear if the fondness for filing complaints with the prosecutor's office faded over time or if he was just too busy being a dad to have the time to continue that incredibly productive hobby. (laughs) Yeah, it was productive. I mean, you know, you've got to do your civic duty. I mean, if people are not following the rules with parking, you need to let the prosecutor's office know that. Are you just going to let people install their mailboxes more than two feet from the curb? Are you? Did you know that that car was parked a quarter of an inch out further than it was supposed to be? I know that because I measured it because I'm Matei and I'm telling you your job. Yeah, like the world is a slippery slope. If we let this shit slide, it's just going to be anarchy in a week. Mm -hmm. Look where we are. Look where we are. (laughs) So while Matej is in Slovakia and he's navigating the muddy waters of his 30s and finally being with her partner and has two kids, well, head over to Switzerland and at the same time, a young Swiss man was being a target of workplace bullying. And as an aside here, uh, that kind of behavior is bullshit. I actually have had family members who have dealt with workplace bullying, and it's like junior high turned up to a million. It's the worst. If you are a workplace or any other place kind of bully, please fuck off and die. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) please do fuck off, as you've said in the past. Well, Marcus Dubach had just about enough of this workplace bullshit. And because it had gotten out of hand and out of control, he began to actually contemplate suicide. I mean, just pause and kind of like hover on that for a moment. Mm-hmm. That's your way out. That's your way out of this bullying environment. I mean, that that had to be horrendous if that was where he was at. Especially if you don't feel like you have the choice of quitting as well for whatever reason. Right. While poking around on the internet, Marcus came across an interesting article on, of all things, fucking cannibalism. Yummy. And then a page that you might expect, he found someone looking for people planning to commit suicide. Wow. You really can't find anything on the internet. Yes, you apparently Mm -hmm. really can. And, you know... I just I like to keep it real surface with the Internet because of that. Yeah. You don't want to start climbing down little ladders and like lifting up hatches and climbing down those in the Internet. No, you just don't. Nope. 
Well, he posted an ad on Matei's favorite cannibal website where he asked to be killed and eaten. It remains unclear as to why this would have been his preference, but, you know, it was kind of like a perfect example of one of our favorite phrases around here. There's a key for every lock. There really, really is. I also like that it was Matei's favorite cannibal website (laughs) because there was a selection from which he was able to choose, therefore allowing him to have a favorite. He's like, you know, this one is all right, but this one just really checks all of my cannibal boxes. It's got the quality content. It's (laughs) got the photos. It's got the Mm -hmm. ready access to a pool of people who want to be eaten. Yeah. Highly recommend five stars. Five star reviews across the board. Yes. Although Marcus, uh, who was, again, our Swiss man, said that this was originally intended just kind of as a joke, much to his surprise, he was contacted by Matej Kirko, who made him an offer to do the killing and the eating of him. Gross. Right? And as you may imagine a person being, Marcus was curious, like a cat, and like, "Mm, okay, I'm going to bite. What you got, bro? (laughs) <laughs> and I think you need to redo that, but in a Swiss accent. Oh, my God. Okay, I'm going to try it. <laughs> As you might imagine, Marcus was curious like a cat and like, mm, okay, I will bite what you got, brah. Oh, that was, that was nice. It worked for me as a simple American. Well, Marcus and Matei kept in contact. The two went so far as to even exchange photos, as you might Mm. do in this circumstance. Marcus was showing off his scrumptious athletic thighs and his oh-so-edible booty. And There's a reason they call it the flank. (laughs) And Matei submitted examples of his finest work, which showcased, among other things, female body parts, as well as human meat being cooked in a pan and shit just got real okay now you're marcus right and you're like this guy this is bullshit all right fine okay whatever it's the internet i'll send him a picture of my ass and my thighs let's just see where this goes right yeah after i've done some squats so i look really nice and pumped up right yeah pump it up beforehand get swole Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then you get a fucking (laughs) email back right it comes in your inbox Mm. and you're like oh okay there's some pictures there click Is that a foot? You see actual body parts and you're like, oh, this is not a joke. Right. This guy. Like, can you imagine that moment like time stopping and you're like, wait, fucking what? Yeah. Record scratch. (laughs) You're like having maybe your like third or fifth glass of wine and you're like pretty buzzed slash drunk and you're like, wait, what the fuck am I looking at? I can imagine me like sloshing the wine on myself. You're like, oh, what the fuck? (laughs) Yep. Yeah, dropping the phone, everything shattering. Just getting up and just like tipping over furniture. Yeah. And naturally I would drop my wine glass, but I would also be barefoot and have no way out of the broken glass except to crawl. Die Hard just came straight to my mind. (laughs) Because you have excellent taste in movies. I do. Well, a a conversation ensued after and Matei messaged Marcus saying, are you willing to travel to Slovakia? I'm really interested in eating you. No kidding. It's not a game. It's a fact. To which Marcus replied, Hi, great there's a real cannibal. I promise my body is muscular, fresh, and the flesh is tender. How do you slice me into steaks, meat soup, and other delicacies? Do you have experience with the preparation of human meat? Traveling to Slovakia is no problem. Just tell me what to do. 
Well, Marcus informed Mate that if he waited too long, this delicious muscular bounty might be eaten by somebody else. So chop, chop, chop. And uh, as though Matei needed even more convincing, Marcus sent him more photos of his legs and ass. I do sports, so they are in good shape. My weight is 80 kilos or like 176 pounds. So you will have meat for weeks. <laughs> I don't know what that accent was. <laughs> Well, this really tickled the fancy of Matei, who was especially interested in muscles from the legs, arms, back, and buttocks. And he admitted to Marcus that the smell of human meat and eating it excites him. All seasoned and rubbed up with pepper. Like a little New Orleans-style rub, a little like... Yeah, but just pepper. No other seasonings. Just pepper. Why just pepper? Like, not even salt? Really, not even salt? So It's just nasty that he would do that. Nope, just pepper. So weird. Well, Marcus understood the value of comedic timing, and realizing that his little joke had indeed run its course, this was either a real cannibal who actually wanted to kill and eat him, or somebody who just couldn't get the joke to land. But Marcus listened to his gut, which told him that this was far more than likely somebody who is way more fucked in the head than he had originally realized. And so after seeing all of this and having this conversation and letting it all kind of sink in, he decided to contact the Swiss authorities. Initially, the police did not believe him. But when they were presented with the photos from the little exchange, who can argue with a picture of a dismembered lady corpse or, you know, a cut of human in the frying pan? Really hard to argue with that kind of exhibit A situation. Yeah. Isn't it, though? You kind of have to think like, all right. I mean, you, yeah, OK, you've got my attention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got us. All right. We're going to put down the donuts and do some work. So naturally, though, uh, the police changed their tune real fast, mm-hmm. as he said. And then they immediately began an investigation into the goings on of this. And this was his um, online name, Orion 218 character. What a fascinating handle. Well, in the spring of 2011, the one question on all the cops' minds was just who is this unknown person from Slovakia talking about killing a Swiss dude only to gobble him up in a variety of ways for a din-din? Yes, Swiss din-din, my favorite. Mm -hmm. In order to find out exactly who this was, the conversation needed to keep going. And no matter how freaked out Marcus was... This had to continue until the cops could figure out where the person was at. And so this conversation would be an email communication in which Marcus was to offer his body to eat up to the man who said that he wanted to, quote unquote, help him. I want to help you and also help myself to a couple of servings, if you know what I mean. Help things. Help In their email exchanges, they kind of squabbled a little bit about the method of killing and then the (laughs) entire subsequent process of all the things to argue about. Like, you're going to be dead. It's not going to matter. Right. Like, what does it matter to you, Marcus? Right. Yeah. Is it really any of your business, Marcus? It's a temporary situation. You're going to be okay in the end. Well, you're not going to be okay, but... Because you're going to be okay in that you're not going to have to worry about anything. Yeah. You don't have anything to worry about in about five minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Mm. I imagine there are a lot of details to iron out. Yeah. You know, I mean, I want you to kill me quickly. And then maybe Matei was like, "Mm, it's going to take a second, though. And then he's like, but how are you going to cook me? 
I want to be cooked medium rare. And Matei's like, well, I prefer you to be medium well because of, you know, safe temperature cooking and all that. Mm -hmm. I'd like you to use an oregano rub. No, he's like, no, just pepper. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's the artist here. Don't mess with the artist. Yeah, you're just the fucking canvas. Does the canvas get to say what Mm -hmm. happens to it? No. No. So Matei, who was at the time simply known as, quote, the Slovak... Sounds vaguely racist. Described to Marcus in great detail both what the method of his murder would be and also what would happen to him after his death. Mm, I don't want to know about that, yo. Mm -mm. Well, unfortunately for us, we weren't able to find out exactly what was said in these emails. But after some digging, we found a couple of little articles that mentioned that Matei was going to follow his usual M.O., which would be drugging Marcus and then stabbing him in the heart and then ultimately quartering him. (gasps) Quartering is such a a violent, vicious, horrible thing to do to a person because it turns us into like meat the way that like animals were turned into meat. We're just like, oh, look, now we're in meat. Pretty much. Yeah. And after this quartering, the unusable remains of Marcus would be disposed of and the rest of the usable pieces would marinate in pepper hidden away in the woods because apparently pepper was an attempt at masking the scent of a decomposing body and would also prevent animals from finding it and Marcus would be eaten over time. So that's not how pepper works. Yeah, I don't think that that's actually true, but I think that this was his thought process. I've never used pepper in that way. I have this idea that in um, Matei's world, like, that pepper was like the solution to everything. Someone's like, oh, my foot hurts. He's like, have you tried pepper? So it works for everything. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, I have a headache. Just try a spoonful of pepper. You're going to be right. fine. Just pepper's going to solution mm-hmm. to everything. And so when he's like got this body, he's like, oh, God, what, how am I going to fix this? Oh, fucking pepper. Mm-hmm. Uh. Duh. Of course it's going to be pepper. Yeah. Why wouldn't it be? Yeah, so this whole like, thing of like eating him over time, does that mean that Matei was okay, oh, that rhymes, with eating literal rotting flesh? Is that where this goes? I, I, mean, I mean, nobody can really say what was in that big old brain of his with this, but I mean, I guess maybe I don't know the whole like process behind curing meat. Yeah. Maybe he had a process that we just don't know about. I don't know. It's really gross. You know, I can almost, I can almost get, I, can, I can't get behind it, but like, I can almost understand the whole like fresh meat part of it, right? But like, when we're talking about meat that has been of any, of any animal, not hu- even just a human, meat of any creature that's been around for like, you know, like longer than, you know, a few days, it's going to be all maggoty. It's yeah. going to be all like slippery and stinky and green and slippy. And like, it's just like, yeah. at what point does your body just say like, Barf, I'm not going to eat that. Well, I don't think that he had too many boundaries around what he would eat, considering he would eat humans. This is true. It's a very good point. Uh, maybe I'm asking so, all the wrong questions. You're, yeah, you're not asking the right question here, Sally. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> well, aside from this, articles just simply state that the details of the correspondence between Marcus and Matei were, quote, too graphic to include. And I just... It was like, it just it was like the most empty feeling. I was like, well, I, but I want to know. I need to know more. Tell me more about this. Give me the graphics. It's just like a child on Christmas morning who's given an empty box. Yes. 
you know, it's awful. It's like, I want to know, like, too graphic. What does that even mean? Yes. Those words in that order don't make any sense to me. Sorry. Well, after the bickering over emails and negotiations was completed about exactly how Marcus would be killed, uh, Marcus actually received an itinerary from the very efficient Mate with precise details of the time and place where they would meet a forest near the village of Kisak. I bet his Swiss heart absolutely loved that itinerary with the precise details of the time and place. I mean, they do make excellent watches. They so do. The precision was probably not lost. The Swiss do like a timetable. <laughs> they really do. <laughs> well, the Swiss police immediately transferred information to Interpol, Interpol on the Slovak side as well. And since they had precise instructions about time and place... Thanks to the helpful itinerary, the suspect <laughs> would theoretically be easy to nab. The Slovak police were on high alert and had begun consistently monitoring the entire area of Kisak starting in the early morning hours. The morning of the meetup between the cannibal and the would-be corpse, they did not send in the actual Swiss man. They actually sent in a police officer who would serve as the bait because they didn't want to put Marcus, and a civilian again, in harm's way. That's a pretty big ask, isn't it? It's like, hey, would you mind being the bait in the capture of a murderous cannibal? That's going to be a no. <laughs> Yeah, he's going to notice if it's not you. So we actually need you, Marcus. You said you wanted this. Don't forget that. And then we need to see your ass and make sure it's the right ass. Exactly. Compare and contrast. Like what if the stand-in officer doesn't have as nice of an ass or as meaty of thighs as you have, Marcus? He hasn't done the squats and he's not muscular. Mm -hmm. He hasn't done the work. You're going to blow the whole operation. He'll be in the wind. Thank you. <laughs> in the wind. <laughs> well, in the emails that had been exchanged between Marcus and Matei, Matei had been very specific about the type of clothes that he wanted Marcus to wear for their meeting. An undercover agent assumed the role of the delicious Marcus and met Matei at the designated spot on May 10th, 2011. He was wearing the clothes that Matei had requested with a wire underneath so the police could listen in and intervene when needed. There were also special armed forces staged all around the meeting area, including a professional sniper. You know, if you have to designate professional sniper, there's a problem. Like, it should always be a professional <laughs> sniper. It should never not be, if the word sniper is involved, it should be a professional, you know. He was operated on by a professional doctor. You don't have to say it, okay? <laughs> You're listening to professional co-hosts on a podcast. Exactly. Right. Super professional. I mean, who wants the guy who can't hit water fucking falling out of a damn boat? <laughs> That's a good point. Nobody. Nobody. Well, the police could not be too careful. And the information that they had gotten suggested that the Slovak <laughs> was armed and likely very dangerous. That was a good deduction to make. It was very accurate. Very good. Wow. Yeah. Way to yeah. go. Just like Marcus understood the value of comedic timing, so did Matei understand the value of blending in. And it did not take too long before a casually dressed man connected with the undercover agent. It's unclear exactly what the agents were expecting him to look like, but apparently casual was not it. And he was actually mistaken for a tourist at first. 
Kind of like Hannibal Lecter at the end of Silence of the Lambs. Where he really does look like a tourist. He looks like a tourist, yeah. And so that was exactly the image that popped into my head. I'm like, Hannibal Mm -hmm. Lecter. The white suit. Yeah, exactly. Just kind of like meandering through a crowd. Mm -hmm. But the agent quickly realized that this was not a tourist. In fact, it was the actual real deal. And this was the damn Slovak. (laughs) They needed like a code word for when he turned up. (coughs) Flank steak. Flank steak. <laughs> Operation Braised Penis. <laughs> well, at that very moment, agents were surrounding the area and Matei Kirko was ordered to stand down. But instead of complying with that command, as you should for your own safety's sake, regardless of your innocence or your guilt, he instead grabbed a gun from his belt and proceeded to open fire upon the agent, shooting and seriously injuring him. Matei Kirko himself was also hit five times. The officer later recounted the events. Quote, We have been ordered to intervene. I came out of the bushes and used the call, Stop! Police! Hands on face! (laughs) I walked around him slowly, and when I reached the level of his right hand, he moved. Suddenly, he ripped off his vest with his left hand, picked up his pistol from behind his belt, immediately went to his knees, turned to me, raised his weapon to eye level, and began firing. At that moment, I shouted, weapon, and I started shooting. I don't know how many times I fired at him and he shot at me. All I know is that I suddenly felt a pain in my chest and I realized that it hit me, end quote. You know, where the fuck was a sniper on this? Not being very fucking professional. That's where he was. No, no, he's like, I'm in school. I didn't pass the sniper test. I'm sorry, guys. Just let me finish this text. Exactly. Can you imagine? That's not very professional at all. No, it isn't. But I can't imagine, given today's current world and how important phones are Mm -hmm. to people, some Mm -hmm. people. It's true. The officer also noted in the statement that according to the perpetrator's position of shooting, it was clear that he had practiced, which was confirmed by the subsequent investigation because Matei was a member of a shooting club. Damn. That's why he was like straight down on his knee, like race. Like he just yeah. knew how to get into that stance right away. Yeah. And I, I was just kind of like having what was it, Liam Neeson in that movie Taken. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, I, I just kept having these like images in my head of you know, this like slow motion, like gunfight with some badass. And he's got like a trench coat. And he's like, who is that? Is that John Woo? Who is that director that would always have like the double guns? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he loved that shit. Nobody can shoot like that and, you know, the double guns. Nobody can shoot like that. But how are you going to know where you're aiming? Right? It's like you're not looking at anything that you should be looking at. Like if I'm trying to shoot with my right hand, I'm like really looking at something. I'm still not going to hit it because I'm a shitty shot. But like if I have two guns, like you all better look out. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's like the thing is like if you've you've got two guns, you just look like so crazy that you might just hit something. (laughs) Maybe that's the vibe. So Matei Kirko was taken to the hospital because he was shot five times. Five. Um, the hospital spokesperson, Yaroslava Oravkova, you're welcome, <laughs> announced two days later that Matei had died at the Louis Pasteur Hospital in Slovakia <laughs> from injuries to his internal organs, shoulder and his face. The spokesperson said, surgery took more than five hours and required the involvement of 10 surgeons. <laughs> However, the patient's state remained critical, and he subsequently died of circulatory and organ failure. Or did you let him die? You got 10 surgeons on this clown, but 10 surgeons couldn't get it right? 
I mean, I'm not a surgeon, but come on. Two surgeons per hole. Yeah. That seems like enough. That seems like it should do the trick. <laughs> Two surgeons, one cup. Before he died, Matei was in a coma the entire time he was in the hospital. So investigators were not able to get anything from him. And as you can imagine, it made things extremely challenging for them, as well as for forensic scientists and experts in the field of psychiatry and psychology. After the sting, the police discovered that Matei had brought the worst thing ever with him, a black bag. Not a man purse, although those are pretty bad, too. But this was a black bag. There's never anything good in Uh -uh. a black bag. A black bag with a bunch of shit that nobody ever wants to find together in one place. Such as a saw, a knife, sleeping pills, rubber gloves, twine, and of course, black pepper. Gotta rub that pepper on that person, me. Keep it from stinking up. You don't want the animals getting to it. Heck no. Animals hate pepper and would never eat anything with pepper on it, as everyone knows, right? No, they'd be like, no, no, no. I'm, I'm hungry, but ooh, that's got pepper. Too much pepper for my liking. Move on. Yeah, I'm not black pepper hungry. <laughs> Well, just a few hours later, uh, the police discovered the identity of the man previously known to them only as the Slovak. He was 43-year-old Matej Kurko. As we mentioned before, the police had seized that black bag with a wide variety of intriguing items which could be used to kill a person. But in addition to those contents, they also found three bottles of vodka, because who doesn't like to party with three bottles of vodka, some plastic bags, linen, and plastic handcuffs. Totally not a kill kit, officer. No, these things are that's for my daughter's birthday party. Yeah, it's murder themed. Mm-hmm, yeah, she's she's interesting. Yeah. That one. Got to keep an eye <laughs> on her. Got to go. <laughs> A ceremonial altar was also found in the woods where it is believed that Matei cooked and ate the body parts of his victims. It is unclear if it had any kind of ritualistic purpose or significance other than one human consuming another human. That's a lot of significance right there. That seems pretty significant. Yeah. You know, I mean, I I would assume. Yeah, I thought about the ceremonial altar a lot. Mm. I really wish there was a picture of it. Because like, there's a ceremonial altar, and then there's a ceremonial altar, right? Correct. Was it You know, was it like a bunch of rocks stacked together with some candles on it? That also could just be a table. Yeah, I'm like, is it a folding table, like a card table? Is it like a six-foot table? Is it plastic? Is it wood? Like, what are we working with here? What's the aesthetic? Yeah. What's the aesthetic? Is it like surrounded by like skulls? Was there like evidence of candles? Was I'm really obsessed with candles. If it's like, if it's an altar, you're going to need some fucking candles. Yeah. Was it in the open? Was it in a clearing, in a circle, under trees? Right, exactly. Was it, you know, is it like eclipsed by this canopy of leaves and like a secret place? Right. I want to know more about this altar because yeah. for me, this really like it's one of the few things that gives you any insight into why he did any of this. Mm-hmm. And like an altar is a really important piece of information about motive. You know, it means that it yes. was if it was an altar and not just like a useful table, then what? significance did this have for him was it like they said ritualistic religious spiritual it it's very curious to me 
It was curious to me, too, because I kept thinking the same thing. I'm like, if this table was big enough, like, is this where he actually cut his victims up? If it was, like, what was his process? I think it was a big piece of this case that is really missing from the information that would make Mm -hmm. it make a little more sense. If you can make sense of something like this. Not long after this little discovery was made, Matei's house was searched. There, they found several legally owned guns and a large number of cartridges for those guns, as well as several extra mobile phones and the all-important computer. Oh, yeah. And so much more. A forensic examination of the computer revealed a GPS location. And another arranged meeting, which never came to pass, this time with a 22-year-old man from the Czech Republic. So with the man in the center of this whole schmuzzle now dead, there were, as you might imagine, more questions than answers. During the search of his property and following the GPS location that was found on his computer, the same computer that was used to send messages to his victims... Authorities naturally discovered two female bodies. So this is a quote. We found GPS coordinates on the computers, which took us to several places in the forest near Kisak. Some were buried with various tools, such as a shovel, pickaxe, or axe. On May 16, 2011, we inspected another place, which was marked by a dog. We discovered a pit in which the remains of two people were found. A forensic autopsy confirmed that the perpetrator drugged the women with alcohol. He then stabbed them several times in the heart area, hitting one in the lungs. He then separated the individual parts of the body. End quote. And the bodies were indeed those of two missing women. 30-year-old Elena Gudjakova from Oravske Vasile. Not going to try that again who had been missing since June 23rd, 2010. And the second body was that of a 20-year-old named Lucia Utranova from Snina, who had been missing since September 3rd of 2010. It was discovered that both Elena and Lucia had contacted Matei through a suicide forum. It was well known by people who knew each woman that they had each suffered from mental health issues. Lucia had previously attempted suicide in 2008, and she was later treated in a psychiatric hospital. And still, she'd been pretty open on social media about her suicidal feelings and about wanting to die. The investigation revealed that, sadly, both women had deep, painful mental health problems that they could not cope with. They both sought help through social media. And there they encountered Matei Kirko, their future killer who took advantage of their vulnerability and pain. He promised that he would be very happy to help them leave this world if they could not do it themselves. Ah, this guy. I know, right? What a great guy. What a helper. Mm. Matei wrote to them that he had dreamed of murder for many years and that this idea seemed to excite him enormously. Mm. He also described to them various ways that he might kill them, and he would also enjoy the feeling of immense pleasure. Well, that's great, Matei, all about you and what you Mm -hmm. need. Yeah, it's your needs, Matteo. That's what we're focused on here. He's like, do you want like the silver package or the gold package or the platinum package? I can offer you any one of these or, you know, we can combine. We can borrow from the packages. Mm -hmm. You tell me this is your experience and your journey. 
It is your journey, but in every single one of those packages, the primary goal is my satisfaction. Mm-hmm. Yep. Just so you know. And I still kill you. Yeah, that's how that's going to go. Yeah. When the bodies were found, each of the corpses was lacking their heads, legs, breasts, and parts of their muscles. They were later positively identified as Elena and Lucia. The bodies of both women were found buried at a depth of 80 centimeters or about 31 inches. They were covered with plastic and over top of that was soil, twigs, and branches. Both women were quartered and each in a considerable stage of decomposition. Kudos to the dogs there for finding that at like 31 inches down. Yeah. I mean, under plastic and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Dogs, is there anything they can't do? I know. Love us. They annoy us. They find our dead <laughs> That's bodies. That's true. Yeah, that second one especially. <clears throat> I feel like if, um, God forbid, I died in the house and nobody checked on me for a while, the dogs would definitely eat me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, definitely. Well, according to their respective conversations that were found on Matei Kirko's computer, each of the women had voluntarily entered into this agreement with him, knowing full well that they would be killed and then eaten by him. Mm. In the messages with Lucia, Matei Kirko is quoted as saying, quote, I am not a rapist, not gay. I am just a pervert <sighs> who wants to feel death to touch a dying body, end quote. What are you supposed to do with that? I'm just a pervert. That's all I am. Like deep down. And I'm not a rapist. I'm not gay. I just want to feel a dying body. That's all. And what would it matter? She's a girl. You're a guy. What? Is, what is that? That doesn't even mean anything in no. this situation. It's fucking irrelevant. It's completely irrelevant. Ugh, what a clown. Interesting. The fact that he like zeroes in here though, like he just wants to feel death. Yeah, he's very self-aware. It. He's very self-aware. <laughs> I do feel like though that that's like the moment that he's he's seeking is like that moment mm-hmm. of like death passing touching mm-hmm. a dying like he says it twice there wants to feel death to touch a dying body that's two different ways to describe like the same that same moment yeah reminds me a little bit without the like massive sadistic impulses of John John Bunting mm-hmm. Snowtown the guy who would like look people in the eye from a distance of like yeah. three inches as he it would like choke the life out of him well, Matei would go over the details about what was going to occur. And according to the police, both women seemed excited at having found Matei to help them commit suicide. And he was fucking thrilled to be of assistance because he liked it and he was going to eat them. Matei wrote in one of his messages, quote, if you come without police, you will die. End quote. And then went on to say that he would shoot himself if he were to ever be caught in the act, but that he would do everything to hide all traces of this gruesome transaction. Quote, no body, no crime. Except for a couple of things, Matei. You didn't kill yourself when you were caught. You actually shot back at police and the bodies were discovered. So none of what you said was true. So body, mm-hmm. crime. Is kind of more accurate mm-hmm. than nobody, yeah. no crime. Yeah. yeah. And you didn't, you didn't shoot yourself. No, you didn't. As you yeah. promised. You wrote that down. Kind of reneged on a whole verbal agreement there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right. Matei's alleged conversations also explain how he could not be a hired killer. That he was in it for the fun, not for the cash. 
He explained to Lucia that he would drug his victims, saying, quote, it worked perfect with most of them. End quote. <laughs> I love the most of them. Dude, that has a lot to unpack, that one little statement. Right? That one little word. Yet yeah, most. Mm-hmm. That implies a lot of experience. Yes. So he didn't want the screaming, the fear, and the panic in his victims. It really messes with the flavor. Just their voluntary consent, which was the only way that he could satisfy himself. So he really wasn't interested in... What a weird fetish. He wasn't interested in taking it by force. Like, that was not... That wouldn't have gotten him off. It had to be voluntarily given. Yeah. I know. You just called that weird. I'm sure that there's a cannibal community out there who's going to be like, We're not weird! <laughs> Not the cannibal lobby. Exactly. The cannibals are going to cancel us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, Lucia asked for a photograph at one point of her, quote, future executioner. But Matei, being meticulous, uh, said no. He said that he didn't want to be exposed, potentially, and have police know what he looks like. And so he said no, and he refused her request. She was only ever going to see him like whenever the event took place. That was the first time they would meet in person. Mm-hmm. Like that she would ever see him. Yes. And allegedly he had very, very similar and eerie conversations with Elena. Oh. Mm-hmm. When the women were discovered in their grave, a right foot of one of the victims and also the left breast of one of the victims was missing. Experts did not rule out that this was part of the body captured in that photo that Matei had sent to Marcus, the one that sort of made Marcus go, mm, this is not a joke. It was the thing that made Marcus go, mm. mm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm. So just how... Did so many people come into Matei's life with the same interest of being killed and eaten by him? Yes. Matei met his victims the old-fashioned way. And by old-fashioned, of course, we mean mainly through online suicide forums. Because mm. mm. that's a thing, apparently. He was using the handle, as we said, Orion218. Mm-hmm. Why not? Why not? Mm -hmm. At the time that the murders were taking place, Matei lived in Sokol and he regularly traveled to the Kisiak Forest. And this is where it's believed that he would meet up with, kill and subsequently murder and cannibalize these apparently willing victims. The victims were allegedly willing participants in their own deaths. And supposedly, even after being made abreast of what was going to come to them after they were killed... Each of Matei's victims had had suicidal tendencies, and each person allegedly openly declared their desire to end it all. And so, once they had their business together all figured out, and they felt that Matei was just the guy to do this for them, the agreement would be made between he and the victim, and the deal was simply that they agreed to be killed and then eaten by him. It was as simple as that. So the system went a little something like this. Matei would meet the willing participant in the aforementioned forest at the prearranged spot in a private place that nobody would hear the screams. Screams filled with the kind of regret that only hindsight can give. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Then Matei would proceed to drug the person 
presumably, if you can believe what he said, in the spirit of being humane or possibly as a way to quickly subdue the victim just in case they did try to change their mind. The next step was to stab them directly in the heart in order to kill them, hopefully quickly, which I can imagine being stabbed in the heart would do. Maybe? You know, once your heart stops, you don't have a way to push blood around your body and you run out of oxygen pretty quickly and your brain dies and then the rest of you dies. But you remember you're drugged, so you're not really aware of any of it, even if it's slow. That's true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It is unclear what drug in particular Matei used to drug his victims. He did have all that vodka, though. After each killing, he would then dismember the victim's body using a meat cleaver or another one of his many, many knives, and he would attempt to mask the odor of the rotten flesh by using pepper, as we said earlier, as a rub of some type. Then, depending on what mood he was in, and since the aforementioned agreement between predator and prey was that they would serve at his pleasure, he would eat whatever part of the body he desired, then store the rest in a refrigerator in Kaisak. As for the parts of his victims' bodies that he did not feel satisfied his ever-so-sensitive palate, they would be buried in shallow graves. Authorities went down every single rabbit hole and followed each internet lead that they discovered. While so much damning information was left by the man himself, Mateo, there were still so many unanswered questions. They also found that he was all about customer service and the victims could contact him, <laughs> we assume day or night, at his confidential email address. That's customer service right there. It really is. You don't see enough of that these days. No. 24-7. Cannibalism. Yep. It doesn't sleep. It's the, the appetite that doesn't rest. It really does not ever. Once the case was out in the open, Italy got in on the action as well because Italian authorities believed that there could be many more victims. Right now, in like Slovakia, they're just thinking like it's very smallish pool of victims. But Italy was like, oh, no, 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 no. There were about 30 women who had gone missing. That's 3-0, by the way, not 13, 3-0, 30 Jeez. women who had gone missing. And they just kind of seemed to like vanished into thin air. And authorities managed to connect the profiles of most of those 30 women with Matei's victim type. Ages 25 to 28, suicidal, willing to be killed, and most importantly, willing to be fucking cannibalized how is that your type like that's just such a specific type and then there's 30 30 women those just are the 30 who went missing yeah that's the big question mark around this it's like there is an infinite number of victims it seems like though this is such a this has to be a small group of people right it's such a small pool from which to draw because it's that last one most importantly willing to be cannibalized right yes yes and then of that very small pool 30 of them have gone missing like that is not that has to be him i mean it just has to be it's just, i mean i know there was suicidal so you could say well they, they just walked off a cliff somewhere yeah and armin mivis was already in prison right and I mean, they didn't have the business, too, that he was looking for. He was specifically looking for peen. Right. <laughs> Brazeable. Yes. I wonder if their paths ever crossed, though. They're like, oh, my God, you like the thigh, too? I thought it was just me. 
You don't find it too tough? No, I, I find it tender. Oh, that's so wonderful. Yeah, I, I've mm-hmm. I've really gotten the the stir frying, the pan frying, the like the braising. You yeah. have to just use the right technique for the right cut. Yes. Well, most importantly to know about these missing women was as well as having this very specific profile, they disappeared between January 2009 and May 2011 while Matei was still very actively hunting. And in every one of these women's case, no physical body or remains has ever been found. Mm. This theory about the Italian women being connected to Matei is somewhat supported by some emails that went between Marcus and Matei, in which a possible victim of Italian nationality was mentioned. This added to the fact that there were body parts found in Matei's refrigerator that didn't match Elena or Lucia. Now that's interesting, isn't it? Uh Uh-huh. So that's absolute verification. Yeah. Absolute verification that there was more than the two. Yeah. Elena had a size seven shoe. Uh, Lucia wore a six and a half. This is a nine. It doesn't fit. Wow. It's just like with OJ. Yeah. It's like if the shoe doesn't fit. You must acquit. Keep investigating. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, authorities followed up on leads, but due to a super awesome and helpful law in Slovakia. Way to go. Right? Seriously. Information prior to 2009 is no longer available. <laughs> like That's not the 50s, dude. That's recent history. And why would that be a thing? Like, you just archive it. Right? Just like, there's got to be space somewhere you can put that shit, like a basement somewhere. Can't it go in the cloud? Is it everything in the cloud? Well, since this helps nothing for the missing women, Italian investigators requested Slovak police to forward whatever biological evidence was collected so that they could conduct their own independent tests on evidence found at Matei Kirko's home to see if they could make an actual connection to the missing women. And of course, as we said, since Matei is dead, there's nothing but a dumpster fire still filled with burning freaking question marks. Uh-huh. And forensic experts were faced with the daunting task of trying to find out just what the hell happened to his potential victims and where they could be. Also faced with trying to figure out what the fuck was going on in that head of his. And as we had mentioned earlier, Matei had admitted in his email communication just how excited he was by the smell of human meat and its consumption. So that happened. Several forensic experts and the police asked for a psychological report to be drawn up on Matei, even though he was already dead. The experts came to the conclusion that he suffered from schizoid personality disorder, i.e. psychopathy. Hmm. Hmm. Shocker. Shocking. (laughs) Yeah, right? Experts said that he was deviant and suffered from necrophilic sadism and cannibalism. So that also happened. Mm. They include systematicity, pedantism. That's like, everything has to be perfect. Mm -hmm. And above average intellectual abilities among his personality characteristics. God, I bet he was fun at parties. Oh, I bet he was the best. You know, he reminds me of uh, Dennis Rader. Mm -hmm. That super annoying, like, of course he became like a 
like a rule enforcement officer like that's just in his bullpark oh it it totally is he's like you know what this party was supposed to be shut down at 10 o'clock it is now 1001 i'm going to report you all yeah if you can't follow the Mm -hmm. rules don't have a damn party (laughs) exactly you're ruining it for everybody everybody's trying to sleep except for you This is me. I swear I would have been so good at that job. <laughs> oh, my God. The psychiatrists and psychologists later proposed that he showed numerous signs of psychopathy, such as some of these are mine, too. Dislike. Right. Dislike towards social mm-hmm. contact. Check. Preference yeah. for solitude. Check. Check. Emotional coldness. Eh, not no, so much Towards many people, but like not people I like. No. Not everyone. Weak empathy. Mm-hmm. Oh, fuck. I wish. Inability to express his feelings. And I don't feel like I have an inability. I feel like I have too much expression of my feelings. Mm -hmm. Yes. But conflict with authority. I would say that's a pretty strong one. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, we, neither you and I have the necrophilic sadism and schizoid personality disorder as well. I mean that you know of. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Interesting that they would say sadism there because to me, I don't feel a lot that's sadistic about this. Yeah. I didn't think that either. Because I'm like, well, but didn't he just drug them? It was That was where the Domery feel came in for me. Me too. There was a lot of like, they, like the whole point of it was consent. The whole point of it for him was that they agreed to. If they didn't agree to, right. it wouldn't, you know, tickle his tadpole. And so, you know, right. the, the whole word sadism coming in, I'm like, who the fuck is like doing this shit? Like necrophiliac, sure, absolutely. Absolutely. But like sadism? Really? Really? Yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean, I feel like they're just saying words at that point because they don't have any they didn't actually have the opportunity to sit down with Matei and actually break him down and figure out what the fuck made that clown tick. And so, you know, I mean, and I was even kind of like, well, the necrophilia, like, I mean, was there evidence that he was? Yeah. Doing that? I don't know. I mean, I guess maybe necrophilia and cannibalism kind of go hand in hand in the world of psychology. I, I really don't know. Like a diagnostic term kind of a thing or, yeah. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, when I look at this, I see that there's this obsession with the specifically the consuming of the human flesh, right? Exactly. Like that was the target. Right. And it's like how, I can't remember where I was going with that, but it's very profound. It, it was extremely profound. Thanks, Keto. <laughs> One psychiatrist said, quote, this is a deviation that is manifested in the hobby and strong emotional arousal of the themes of death, various ways of killing others, contact and manipulation of their bodies, and subsequent consumption, end quote. Which kind of bolsters your point of what you were just saying of, you know, it was just all about eating the flesh. This really, it's so, is Domeresque to me. Like, Mm. that whole statement that you just read could have been written about him. Yeah, like, it could have just picked it up wholesale and put it down in his biography. Yeah. Forensic experts said that the victims fully cooperated with Matei. Quote, even from incomplete data on the victims, it is clear that they may have been mentally ill and the perpetrator manipulated them relatively sophisticatedly over the Internet. So given his instinctive deviance, a psychological analysis of motivation can support the version of assassinations. End quote. The forensic experts concluded. So it does have this element of voluntarism, but at the same time, they were mentally ill. So can they really have been uh, fully cognizant of what they were doing? And he was a sophisticated manipulator. Anyway, 
Well, according to most sources, Matei mostly kept to himself prior to his capture in his local town. And the local villagers said that they had never had any problems with him during the seven years that he lived there with his wife and their two young children. They said that they would never have taken Matei for a serial killer, much less a cannibal. It's always the ones you least expect. It's always the ones you least expect. That was exactly my thought. I'm like, well, it's always the quiet ones. You know, he, he hid in plain sight. He was smart. You know, he had the triple digit IQ that he could just kind of, who knows. But one way or another, uh, you know, there is almost nothing about his wife. I, I couldn't even find her name and God help that woman and her, their children. Seriously, You know, so I would probably want to leave her anonymous anyway, just out of respect, because I'm sure she's just like my fucking life. Are you kidding me? You just blew it up, Matei. But regardless, uh, it is said that his wife and the children got the fuck out of Dodge. They left their village ASAFP and just are living their lives somewhere else. Don't know where. Matei free. Mm-hmm. Matei free. I hope he had some life insurance at least. Come on now. That would have been a nice thing to do. Yeah, like a clause that includes dying in a police shootout. That's so unsatisfying to me. Like, I have so many questions I would like to have asked him. Right. Wouldn't it have been so interesting to have gotten his, like, childhood and, like, yeah, we you know, had a real deep interview of him and filled in some gaps? I think there could have been so there were a lot of missed opportunities here. Like, why not just wound the leg? Why'd you have to hit him in the face? Right. Although it's, it is kind of funny that he got shot in the face, though. I don't know why, but I find that slightly funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it definitely was, you know, in one way, it's like you're glad that somebody like this is no longer on the mm -hmm. earth. But at the same time, it's just such a missed opportunity for being able to look at how a person like this ticks and what makes them do these things and why how they come to be yeah like why did this end up being their path what happened was it like part of their pathology or was it just something that happened along the way or what yeah where did the wires cross Exactly. Like, when did this start happening? Was there cruelty to animals when he was a kid? Was there abuse? Like, there's just a million questions, like I, I had said, like a just dumpster fire full of fucking question marks. Fun facts. Here we are. I have two. And they're both about Slovakia. Oh, I like that. We need a little little palate cleanser. Mm. We do. And if you haven't looked at pictures of Slovakia, Slovakia is like, you know how people imagine Europe to be this sort of like fairyland, little wonder wonderland of like mm -hmm. cute little villages. And like, that's what freaking Slovakia looks like. It is beautiful. So, really? yeah. Slovakia has the highest number of castles and chateaus per capita of any country in the world, having 180 castles and 425 chateaus. <gasps> wow. We're totally going to go to Slovakia one day. Fuck yeah. They also have more than 1,300 
mineral springs. Ooh. So they have these like healing thermal springs. Most of them are actively used for therapeutic and recreation purposes. And they have like 21 spa resorts. And in the United States, for example, like thermal springs and like a spa resort is considered like a really like high end thing and like normal people can't afford mm-hmm. to do it. But in Slovakia, the spa resorts and the aqua parks are affordable because there's this like long term tradition of using it in like healthful ways. So it's just like part of the culture. Apparently. Oh, so they focus on health and not capitalism. I know. Isn't it amazing? Wow. Apparently the Romans, the Celts and also Ludwig van Beethoven. <gasps> visited um there's a spa town which i'm not going to try to pronounce in slovakia to enjoy the healing effects of the town's thermal water god that is just so uh, i mean i feel relaxed hearing about it i can't imagine what it would actually be like to experience it uh, that's how starved we all are for relaxation just listening to a conversation about hot springs can make us feel more relaxed mm. Mm. And chateaus and it all being very adorable and peaceful. And that sounds lovely. Yes. I bet the smell in the air is like crisp and clean. Oh, like pine and cedar. and That's how I'm imagining it. It's so quiet and there's no people around. And people are quiet when they die in the forest. Oh, yes. That's my personal favorite part. As, as was, mm-hmm. you know. Respect. Yes. <laughs> so much respect. <laughs> you have a couple of fun facts too? I do have a couple. It's interesting because I didn't find a lot of fun facts about this particular case, but the ceremonial altar that we had referred to earlier in the episode actually was later destroyed by authorities in order to avoid it becoming a sacred site for sickos, quote unquote sickos. Well, they know people pretty well because that's exactly what would have fucking happened. Yeah, and they're like, nope, mm-mm, we are going to actually nip this right now. And uh, we're going to take this away before it becomes a problem. Yep. You have to take away people's toys when they can't use them correctly. That's fucking right. Um, and the full story about all of this is allegedly told in a book entitled. Ooh, Die. Is it German? And I yes. love reading German. Okay, you say it. And I'm going to try to say it too. Die Entscheidung. Why? That's the first one. Die Entscheidung Begegnung mit einem Kannibalen. So the full story is told in that book, which roughly translates to the decision, encounter with a cannibal. And the author is none other than Marcus. Marcus, the Swiss guy who was going to get eaten but didn't. Full circle. Full yep. circle for Marcus. Um, it was published in November of 2017. And unfortunately, here uh, for us at Homicide Worldwide, it is not available in English. And as we said earlier, you know how we need that big type and no big words. I guess because I'm not bilingual in any language, I only speak English. And so it's very hard to not want to sound it out exactly like English. That's how I am with, with like Welsh. This mm-hmm. doesn't, it doesn't, like if I say it the way I know how to speak... <laughs> It doesn't make exactly. any sense at all. Yes. Yep. And my brain just wants to sound it out like like phonetically, I guess. I'm not looking at like where I should pronounce it or where I should have an, any kind of like emphasis. Mm-hmm. I'm just looking at how exactly, because when I look at it, I'm like, die, ench, chai, idung. That's not how you said it.
The strangeness of humans never fails to surprise me. In this little podcast, we examine the personalities of people at the extreme end of the behavioral spectrum, and surely necrophilic cannibalism can be found in those deep and dangerous waters. What struck me in this case were the lengths to which Matej Kirko went to obtain this one experience, eating human flesh. This was not an easy experience to arrange, as our old buddy Armin Mivas knows. Finding somebody willing to be killed and eaten is the hardest part. Then comes the planning, the meeting, and the final carrying out of this elaborate scenario. Later comes the hiding of evidence and worrying about discovery. So much risk, so much time, so much effort to get this one moment, a piece of meat from the body of a human being held in the hands his to consume as slowly and as reverently as he chooses. These aberrant personalities structure their crimes around seeking this particular moment, a moment that's almost spiritual, a pinnacle, an experience that might somehow make some sense of the disturbing urges that well up inside them. Matej Kirko structured his life around making his fantasies come true to obtain that optimal moment that spurred his obsessions so much risk. So for Kirko, it must have been a huge reward. Almost as strange to me as the crime itself is how such a profoundly abnormal personality can exist underneath a veneer of normality. Matej Kirko didn't have claws and red eyes. He seemed like an average schmuck living in this world with the rest of us, with a job and a wife and kids. But in his mind, he was in the woods kneeling over a lifeless, cooling body, his hands red with blood as he cuts another quivering chunk of human flesh to place on his tongue like Holy Communion. You've been listening to Homicide Worldwide. of our listeners and you wanted to support us what would you do and where would you go well one of the best ways that our listeners can support us is by going to apple podcast and giving us a review and a rating preferably five star please uh we hope you're enjoying our show we really enjoy doing this and we would love to continue to do this apparently there's an algorithm out there that helps us be noticed by other listeners so the more reviews we have the more five stars we have the more people will listen it'll catch on and then we can stay around and continue to bring you murder it's what you're here for that's right if you want to get a hold of the show and suggest anything if you want to suggest a show idea or anything you want us to stop talking about (laughs) you can email us over at homicideworldwidepodcast at gmail.com you can find us on Instagram we have two Instagram We have Homicide Worldwide Podcast and we have Homicide Worldwide Podcast Production. Those are both legitimate and you can find us there as well. Follow us, like our posts, 
invite friends to follow us. We also have a Patreon if you want to support us on Patreon because you love us so much and support the show over there. And just continue to tell your friends all about us because that's the biggest thing. It helps us stay relevant and it helps people know that we exist because that's a right. lot of people surprisingly don't listen to podcasts. So you know what? If you like it and your buddies like it, please share. Yeah. And the biggest thing is really just to give us a rating. That's the biggest thing. That helps us so much more than I even realized when we first started doing this and probably mm. a lot more than people out there really realize. It's it's a free way of supporting the show and it means a lot to us. So while poking around on ye olden win- interwebs, winterwebs, winter webs, winter webs, in wintertime it is. Mm-hmm. When it is. I like big print and I cannot lie. Mm-hmm. Those other mm. fonts can't deny. Mm. God, God, we're I good. A rapper. <laughs> There's still time. Mm, there is. Mm-hmm. And this one, uh, Sergeant Black Pepper's um, mm. lonely rotting corpse band because black pepper comes in a law in this case whatever yeah anything goes <clears throat> the slovak police were on high alert and had begun consistently monitoring the entire area of the key sack of the key sack <laughs> put it in my key, key sack, sack. <laughs> sorry todd <laughs> put it in your key sack okay Pause for a drink. We had been ordered to intervene. I'm not going to do that though. That's terrible. <clears throat> you sounded like a vi- vampire. A vampire. Yeah. A vampire. There's a Transylvanian accent. <clears throat> Sorry. Yeah. Oh, God. The officer later did. Oh, fuck me. You should, you should do it. Okay, now I'll do it. Do you Let want me to do it? Let me try one time. Okay. Yeah. But like you said, too, like I would be like paying attention to my um, like the ergonomics of it. You know, I'd just be kind of like, oh, whoops, my wrist got twisted off. I lost a hand. Oh, this hurts. I I tore my rotator cuff in one side and I wouldn't be able to like drive myself anywhere because my arms wouldn't work anymore. (laughs) It all just sounds like too much effort. I'm going to just hang out (laughs) at the house. Right. Instead Instead of like shooting everything up with two hands. No, yep. no. Mm-mm. Olive would be after it. She'd be like, all right. Piece as soon of as mom. you stop twitching, man. Mm-hmm. Little mom meat. <laughs> start it with the cheek. <laughs> she probably would. Um, no, I think she'd start with my fingers. Oh, yeah. Just the tips. Knowing her, because the way she likes to nibble. What a great dog. <laughs> she's, she's just fucking AKC, baby. All the way. Blue ribbon special right there. <laughs>
Hey everybody, I'm Dane Holland. It's a new STD, a sonic transmitted disease. <laughs> I'm Austin Shazam Pfeiffer. So it would be just a smushed mashed potato situation going on in my young adolescent crotch area. I'm Marcus Whitaker, known as I'm Electric Man. So instead of talking about how CERN is trying to open up a portal to hell and end the entire universe, I guess I'm just going to read jokes off the freaking internet. And I'm Austin Tiny Zen. Dr. Strange, he's circumcised because would you want to uncircumcised wizard? I don't think so. And if you'd like any of that to make any sense whatsoever, tune in to Nerd It Through the Grapevine, a podcast where four best friends gather weekly to talk about our favorite parts of past, present, and future nerd culture every Monday on Spotify, iTunes, and whatever your favorite app for podcast is. Come join us in the Grapevine. Mm-hmm.